The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So today we had Larry Wheels, a close friend, a hybrid athlete, good representation of what Strong is. We spoke about his background, things that Larry has overcame, his future. We hope you guys enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to Strongcast. I'm Mark Boyd. I'm here with Mr. Paul Sullivan, a.k.a. Sully. And we have the man himself, Chocolate Rain, <laughs> Larry Wheels. How's it going, Larry? Chocolate rain. <laughs> doing well, Mark. Thank you. Sully. I'm so confused by this. <laughs> so good to yeah. yeah, we should get that on later. Chocolate rain. Um, so good to have you here. Obviously, as a friend, uh, as one of the guys I've worked with for a few years and uh, seen you grow. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on here on the Strongcast and a great representation of what we do here in terms of being a very diverse, dynamic, versatile athlete. The man that seems to be able to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the objective. Do everything. <laughs> <laughs> and be half decent at it. Yeah, yeah. No. The yeah. jack of all trades. That's right. I would say you're an absolute hybrid, anything strength-related. Yeah, um, that's not in doubt. But yeah, no, as I said, pleasure to have you on. Let's talk about having you on the podcast. We were talking earlier about the ASMR. Who wants to see that, by the way, if you want? Let's just pull <laughs> up a big geoduck on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch some Bing, can we get Asian that on girls, there? you know, have it explode on them. Give us yeah. a comment if you want to see a strong ASMR. Yeah, we're thinking about food or, well, you can see this geoduck now. <laughs> <sighs> the biggest one you can find, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just saying the sound quality that Ben's put together, we could literally set up an ASMR studio. And I think, mm. I think we would probably have Larry as the host. Oh, my pleasure. Um, oh, oh, oh. There it is. <laughs> But that's the same what? girl I had in mind, too. Oh, he's slapping it as well. <laughs> what? Oh. <laughs> what is this? What? This is actually <laughs> the first I've seen this. <laughs> it's like an elephant's <laughs> tusk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. So, for some context, Larry brought this up before we even started the. Co oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, so what? So for oh wow. <laughs> this one's erect. So so tell us, Larry, what were you what were you planning on doing with this? You said you tried to get these in Dubai. Oh, oh wow. Oh. Yeah, I was. Uh, <laughs> I was planning on doing that with a bunch of big, hairy, burly men. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we need to make this happen. Uh, this is. I mean. 
Oh yeah. So, so yeah. just tell us what this is. What is this? It's a uh, seafood packed with uh, lots of fluid inside, and when you bite into it, it explodes in your mouth. And um, it'd be it'd be fun for a bunch of us to try out. What do you think? Well, I, I mean, <laughs> I would do it, I would do it for the crack, but yeah. uh, it, I mean, this oh. one. Oh, we're, now we're in uncharted territory. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, I mean, oh, it's, it's, alive. it's alive. It's alive. Oh. We're, a bit of soy sauce. Oh, wow. Ooh, wow. Ooh, wow. wow. <laughs> it's like I twisting mean, it's, and turning. It, and I would not be sticking anything in that. Yeah. That's what you said. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting this, to be honest. What is this? So, yeah. Um, we can save that for another time on the strong cast. We'll probably like and subscribe. Thanks for watching. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Larry, for enough entertainment that. for one episode. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, uh, I think we'll probably have to have a, a a big napkin on the table and set this up fully. We'll get Larry and some of the strong men on, maybe. And well, I won't be eating one. <laughs> you no, you'll be sucking on one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Saturday nighter for you. That. Huh? <laughs> Anyway, back to Strongcast, what we're all about. Larry, tell us um, a bit about your background, where you've came from, how you got involved in sports. Um, yeah, give us the full story from start up until here we are in Dubai. Uh, sure. So started off at 14 years old in St. Martin, and uh, it stemmed from bullying and boredom. So kids can be mean, and then it forced me into a, somewhat of a shell in my home. I didn't come out for a few months. So while I was home, um, kind of bedridden, just playing video games, not socializing with anyone, uh, not going to school either. Uh, not my choice, by the way. There's only two schools on the island, French and Dutch, and one English private school, which we couldn't afford to go to at the time. So I was out of school for two years. Um, <clears throat> anyways, during this time, I was at home with nothing to do. I decided to start working out because uh, I thought that once I emerged from my shell that the bullies would be intimidated and they wouldn't pick on me anymore. And uh, that was kind of true. They didn't see me for like three to six months. They're like, wow, what happened to you? I grew biceps, had nice peaks, had a little bit of a chest, you know? Um, so the results were really motivating, you know, just not for um, uh, the physical changes, but mental as well. Uh, it was good for my self-esteem to see that, um, you know, I was able to make these kind of changes to my body. I uh, didn't think that it would be so simple at the time. I just did pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups. I even bought a broomstick with two center blocks and started making uh, makeshift equipment out of that. I used that to do floor presses and bicep curls. So uh, just whatever I can find on YouTube. You know, YouTube was um, my school for lifting at the time. Yeah. And then uh, after that, after I was about 14, 15, moved back to the U.S., and then fast forward a few years of just kind of farting around in the gym, not knowing what I'm doing. At 17, I picked up powerlifting from a veteran friend of mine. Uh, he said he learned it while he was in, uh, in service. And then he passed on what he learned to me. And he was trying to kind of discourage me saying, you know, powerlifting is kind of boring. You just do one rep and you're done. Like that's, that's, pretty, much, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And like, that sounds great, you know? So <laughs> I was immediately uh, enticed and it was really appealing to me. So I started off just pursuing squat bench deadlift. And within that year, I also happened to hop on cycle because I saw my natty numbers uh, which I can't recall exactly what they were, were pretty good for my age. Um, and I would, you know, Google what other teenagers were capable of, what I was capable of, and compare the two. And I saw that, you know, I could get pretty far in the sport pretty quickly. So I did just that, hopped on cycle, 
went full throttle with powerlifting. Uh, did my first competition at 18. Got my first world record uh, at 21. Got a couple more after that between 21 and 23. And then uh, during that time, while I was smashing PRs, you know, all the way from 17 till um, uh, my most recent world record in powerlifting, which was a couple years ago, um, I was growing my social media, you know. And uh, I didn't think when I started out this journey that I would make any money from it because I learned very quickly that it was a sport where you spend not make money, yeah, yeah. you know, on the equipment, on the uh, fees to register to compete and on the food and the drugs. And yeah. there was no sight of any kind of return. I think yeah. the biggest prize money I've ever seen for powerlifting was something like maybe 30 or $40,000, yeah. you know? And that's probably why that veteran back then was putting you off the sport. Yeah. You know, funny enough, he didn't mention that. Uh, so yeah maybe if he had i would have uh went in another direction but you know good thing he didn't mention that i wasn't put off and i went for it anyways and i did it just for the fun of it just for the love of it uh regardless if i was ever going to make money from it or not i was still having a lot of fun with it um because anything strength related as you guys know has always been um what drives me and that goes in any aspect, you know, now it's arm wrestling, strongman, um, powerlifting, you know, anything I can find where I can push myself in the strength envelope, you know, I, I pursue it just to see what I'm capable of because uh, I find it fun and amusing. Bodybuilding, I've dabbled in a little bit, but uh, as cool as it was to see how shredded I can get, but the whole process of dieting and getting on stage, posing, posing at home, none of that was fun for me. You know, um, it was just cool a couple of times to see how lean I can get. And I could have gotten even leaner, to be honest. My diet wasn't all that great. I wasn't that disciplined. I love food too much, you know, um, and yeah, without getting off track. So yeah, I pursued powerlifting regardless. Uh, and a coach of mine, John Gaglione, suggested that I started selling training programs after I, sold, I got my first uh, all-time world record at 21, and I did just that. At the time, you know, I was working as a personal trainer. I was working as a waiter. I was serving tables. So, you know, working regular jobs, 9 to 5. I kept myself busy enough to get the things that I needed, so enough to get the necessities. Uh, no life of luxury, for sure, uh, especially coming from New York. It's a very expensive city. I lived in the Bronx in a not-so-nice-or-safe neighborhood. Um, you may call it the ghetto or the <laughs> trap, and that was very true. Um, but anyways, he, I started selling these training programs at 21, and then I remember my first week, I made like four grand. I was like, whoa, like that's a lot of money for me at the time, you know? Yeah. So then I just kept on pushing it and pushing it, and then I was like, you know what? Like, this isn't slowing down. Like, so I quit my other two jobs as a PT and as a waiter, and I pursued that, you know, full-time, just selling training programs. And I said, okay, let's see where this takes me, you know? And uh, that lasted for a few years. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until uh, I went to um, L.A. in 20, uh, late 2018 that I started selling merch and expanding the brand on beyond what it was, which was just training programs at the time. Yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, here we are today uh, pursuing strongman yeah. and arm wrestling uh, kind of simultaneously. Uh, I've always been against, uh, contrary to what I've been doing, that made people believe that I do bodybuilding and this, that, and the other all at the same time, but it's always one and then the other. Yeah. You know, uh, this is the first time I'm ever doing two sports simultaneously. I'm, I just did a tournament a week ago, and this is like in the middle of my strongman prep. So this is a no-no for me, you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm getting away with it. I have a great PT, David Johnson. He's taking care of my biceps, which is um, the main 
cause for inflammation in arm wrestling and strongman. Yep. I've experienced. So I have no bicep inflammation, and as long as that continues, I'll still arm wrestle once a week with a training partner of mine, uh, and I'll I should be okay. But no more tournaments, at least until after the Middle Strongest Man, which will be in August. Yeah. You know, but um, for now, I'm just kind of working out the kinks because I love arm wrestling. I really do. I'm so much so much of an ambassador for the sport, and um, I don't want to give it up just yet. And in the sense that, you know, I'm pursuing some strongman goals as well. Uh, I've never won a strongman show, you know, so that's my goal for August. Get first place. Yep. Qualify for wuss. Get first place in that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, so those are short-term goals. Um, and uh, long-term would be uh, a 455 kg deadlift, 1,000 pound deadlift. I've never been closer than 425 kg. So right now, uh, it's not so much of a long shot, but every five kg is a struggle right now. So Yeah, no, for sure. It's a know. big jump from that four, 425 to 450, 455. Let's bring it all the way back. When you were younger, 14, and in that situation of breaking into the gym, like what, what what was happening around you obviously you said there was bullies involved like what what was going on yeah there was bullying um i remember sometimes they would come to my house and take some change i had in a bar for savings and they would say it was for like um like i didn't really need it or things like that and then me being 14 and a nice kid you know like yeah take it i don't really need it yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know uh but it also stemmed from self-esteem issues too because i was always the skinniest kid on the block i was yeah. super skinny um, bird chest, rib showing, Adam's apple, like three feet from my neck, you know, kind of a thing. So I was super, super skinny. And um, I wanted to work on that, but I didn't have a gym I can go to because you had to be 16 to go to a gym on the island. So I just had to make the most of the cards I'd been dealt at the time, which was a broomstick and cinder blocks. Yeah. And I uh, eventually graduated to a pull-up bar I put yeah. in my uh, bedroom door. And then... Uh, I just made the most of that situation, but it got me gains. I, I, yeah, I, it got me gains. I love that start to your <laughs> your lifting career. Is that it's brilliant? The Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cinder blocks. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And it shows you you can, you can literally build build foundations with any bit of equipment you can get your hands on. I remember I started my commando training with five liter barrels of water and running around with them and putting them in day sacks and running around. But yeah, that leads on to you being 17, your first steroid cycle. That's right. First steroid cycle. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was testosterone or maybe it was some orals. Uh, if you know me closely, you'll know I have the worst memory. But I do know that I was 17 yeah. and it was my first cycle. But exactly what it was, I can't even tell you. Um, but I do know it was nothing crazy because it was under the influence of my friend at the time. Yeah. Um, he was suggesting that I try it. Um, and he didn't make it out too much of a big deal. Like, hey, just give it a try. You know, you'll be you'll be fine. And I did. And um, the results were explosive. I remember yeah. I went from like 195 to 240 in like two months. In kg, that's like from like 90 kg to like 110. You know, like 20 kg gains in like uh, you know eight weeks time. Right. So it was pretty pretty ridiculous. Um, and of course that is very addicting results are addicting, right? That's what drives us. So I didn't stop after that. I did try cycling on and off, but, um, like with the whole HCG and coming off testosterone completely. Yeah. Um, uh, but each time I did that, I just started from zero again, right? So I'd come off, you know, um, get my levels back stable and 
but then I'd be starting from zero, like from before the first cycle, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is not going to get me very far. So I decided to make the commitment to, okay, if I'm going to do this, I better have big goals in mind. So I did, I set my sights, set my sights for getting world records. And like, if I'm going to do this, I'm not going to party, use recreational drugs. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, go out until 4 a.m. and, you know, be a rock star because you can't do both. So I made, I picked my poison basically. I said, okay, I'm going to do anabolics. Because before the cycle started, my first cycle, believe it or not, I started partying at a very young age, like 15, 16. As soon as I got back to the U.S., I started experimenting with drugs and going out. And my friend working security at all the nightclubs in New York was able to get me in from, to most of them. Um, so, you know, I left like that behind in exchange for, you know, for steroids. Yeah, you picked your poison really. And, yeah. and I think it puts in a nutshell in terms of addiction the addiction wasn't the substance itself it was the results of the substance that's right um, the performance aspect the aesthetics aspect i think that's an important one and especially in the fitness industry the addiction comes from the effects of the substance so how how long have you essentially like how old are you now uh, 27 still young still young <laughs> thank god for that <laughs> that 10 year period now mm. of that cycle on off done it monitored bloods done everything like correctly in that period or would you say you've pushed it too far you think there's like this stuff you've done wrong that you would change because obviously people listening to this are like oh if larry's got on it 17 or he's done this like you've picked your poison i completely the standpoint of anabolics is no worse than drink drugs smoking what damage that does to people but if you're doing like steroids correctly and the correct limits, obviously, there's a level of it's okay. Do you know what I mean? How would you say, like, or give advice to people if they were thinking about it or what, what to do in that situation? That's a tricky one. You know, it's honestly a tricky one. Frankly, I wouldn't advise it for anyone because the long-term effects of it are still yet to be discovered. Mm. Um, I know that guys like Arnold and Stallone, you know, been doing it since, like, the 70s and they're still alive and okay. Um, but steroids have advanced quite a bit. Like the steroids that they had available to them back then versus what we have available to us today is very different, you know, and steroids are constantly evolving and there's always a new experimental drug on the market, which means there's always new temptation, you know? So you always want to edge. That's the whole point of going on steroids for a lot of us is like, you want to have an edge over your competition. You know, you want to have something over them. You know, you want to have a, your best shot taken first. Uh, so with that, in mind, it's hard to recommend it to anyone, even with, um, you know, getting your bloods done and checking out your organ health, like your heart, for example, and making sure everything checks out okay. Like there's always temptation for that, like new experimental drug, you know, which if you're already taking gear, you're not going to be so shy or hesitant to trying it out. And we don't know what that new experimental drug could potentially do to you because all the time, every other month I'm hearing, oh, you should try this. You should try that. Like, this is new on the market. And it's like, hmm, is it worth it, though? Like, what does it do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. <clears throat> but everything in moderation, you know, you can drink and you'll be fine. But if you drink every day, 
mid morning and night, you're gonna be fucked up, right? So yeah. Yeah. I think everything in moderation is okay. It's just hard to know where to draw the line. When the results get addictive exactly. and you're pushing yeah. it or you see that next thing, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah, and that brings us to, you went through in your powerlifting career, you, you briefly skimmed over it. I know you're a humble person, but let's talk about what you achieved in powerlifting. Mm. Just a couple of all-time records. <laughs> so at uh, 21, I got my first all-time world record, which was a total combined of squat bench deadlift at 110 kg. And then um, within, the next two, within the next two years, I got the record for the next uh, weight category, which was 125 kg. Same thing, uh, all-time world record for the total. And then uh, I got the record for the 140 kg class. Weighing in, I weighed in at about... Um, uh, 130 kg or 129. So I was a bit, I was quite underweight actually. 10 kilos. Yeah. <laughs> Just a little bit underweight. And uh, that's kind of always been my thing. Like um, the lean shredded guy, you know, outlifting the bigger guys, right? Um, that's what kind of kickstart my stardom on Instagram is YouTube. Uh, but yeah, I got that. That was my most recent world record. It was all time world record again for the combined squat bench deadlift total. Uh, it was 2370 in kilograms. Don't know. But it was twenty three seventy pounds. Yeah, so I chipped it. It was broken by like half a kg. But you broke it, <laughs> yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> it still counts. Yeah. In those times where you're like breaking those records and you're like, you said mentally you'd like, you want to push it and see how strong you can get, and that's what's developed you into other areas. Is that bullying and that childhood stuff of proving them wrong and proving you're bigger and stronger, like still in there? Does that motivate you in your training, or is it something else? Maybe subconsciously, but actively, I don't think about proving anyone wrong. Um, I think uh, in the beginning, it stemmed from a dark place, like you know, low self-esteem and bullying, uh, and and uh, no confidence. And but now it comes from a healthier place of just like being the best version of myself, you know. But that stimulation, that dark stimulation, is what got me started. That's what started the obsession, you know. And now it's more like a force of habit, you know, and a lifestyle to keep pushing and be the best version of myself. And a passion. That's right, absolute, absolute passion, yeah. Yeah, you can see that as a passion, like it, like you live it, you breathe it. That's right, um, this is all I do. Yeah. So during that that sort of, let's say exponential growth and, and as a person, social media, was there anything during that time that you overcame, any hardships, um, anything that sort of comes to mind that's made you a better person today? Yes, absolutely. Um, for one, I think the most relatable one would be battling injuries. And uh, it's inevitable when you're pushing the envelope and pushing boundaries. But um, just since I started working with good recommended PTs, it really has changed my life. Because before that, you know, in the really early stages of my piloting career, before I got my first record, that's what was holding me back. I would keep getting injured. I'd be stubborn. I wouldn't go to the doctor. I wouldn't go to a PT. I say, eh, it's not worth it. I'm sure, like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. I'll be fine in a few weeks, and then I'd get the same injury over and over and over again. And um, just working with a good PT was like, well, changed the game for me. And to this day, like David Johnson, for example, since I moved to Dubai, he's been taking good care of me. I've had so many injuries already since I've been here. Small ones, um, luckily. But, you know, they'll, they'll set you back a few months. You know, like even a small grade two tear could set you back six months. Yep. You know, so it, it, it is, it does suck when it happens. But, um, you don't want to let it happen twice. Like, you don't want to have the same injury twice. So with a good PT, not only does he help you rehab, but he teaches you how to not get the injury again. And I think what helps 
champions become champions is just being really smart about their training and their recovery, you know, and being healthy as long as possible, you know. Um, but besides, what's that? Do you think the coach or PT like helps you rein it in? A million Because you're always wanting to do stuff or like push it and it's just like, whoa, slow down. This is the plan. Like, yeah. because you're trying to like break boundaries <laughs> and do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Currently. A hundred percent, hundred percent, you know, and look, um, you, you need someone, not ev I think just about everyone needs someone to tell you when enough is enough. And it's very easy to overtrain and get ahead of yourself. And now with social media, there's always that temptation. You always find someone you want to outdo just for the fun of it. Mm -hmm. Nothing personal. You'll see a guy on IG lifting a bit more than you. And you're like, you know what? I could, I could do more than that today. I feel good today. <laughs> you know, screw the program. One day is not going to hurt. And then it becomes like 10 days in a row where you're just not following the program, you know, or... Um, so that's where the it, injuries come. Exactly. That's <laughs> exactly where the injuries come from. You know, you have a plan. You see some kind of temptation, you know, someone outlifting you on Instagram, and then you go off program. Or maybe you, live, you have a new training partner. You know, you have a new training partner, and he's pushing you, you know, uh, or maybe it's, like, really hyped in the gym today. You know, all your guys are cheering you on, like, just to go for it, go for it, when you shouldn't go for it that day, and then yeah. you go for it, and then snap. Yeah. Crackle pop, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, having a coach... I think is absolutely necessary. Um, even if you don't have huge goals like become yeah. Mr. Olympia or taking a world record, I think just for injury prevention and smart training is worth it having a coach. And if he can be hands-on, that's where you're gonna get the most benefit when he can tell you no. You need someone to tell you no. Yeah. And someone that's out for your best interest. And not all the time will your friends be out for your best interest. They just wanna have a good time, you know? Um, you know, with uh, my training partners over the years, um, they're, they want the, they want the best for me, you know, but at the same time, they get caught up in the moment and they get hyped too and they want to have fun and hit a big lift too. Like they want to join in on the fun. They don't always want to say, nah, just follow the program and be smart. That's rarely the case. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Get a coach. A good one. <laughs> Absolutely. Good coach down, and good PT. Down below for the links. Worth every penny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you heard about the death grip? I've heard about the death grip. Have you heard about the I death grip? I have not. Oh, so the death grip is when you grab your willy too hard <laughs> and you just yank at it until you develop a callus on your shaft. And see, what this does, seemingly funny and harmless, is create ED, which causes a long list of problems. So when you can't get it up and you can't perform, you know, and especially you being on anabolics with libido sky high, you know, but uh, you can't feel anything down there, it... Um, yeah, it sucks. So I made a video a while back about um, the hardship that death grip has caused me and not knowing what uh, <laughs> what I was doing to myself or where the ED was stemming from. I thought that everyone masturbated like this, like everyone just grabs it as hard as they can and yanks it until it finishes. But yeah, I guess I was one of the few that uh, went a bit too hard. So I actually developed a callus on my shaft, as you would on your fingers, yeah. on your hand, sorry. Um, and... My, my dick was so desensitized to any sensation that if I grabbed it lightly, I couldn't feel my hand on my penis. Like it was so desensitized. I was yanking it so hard several times a day, you know, touch out from through the roof. Mm. You know, this is like uh, when I was like between 18 and like 22, 23. Um, so it created a lot of performance anxiety. So I didn't want to go out and meet girls. I didn't want, I, I, it caused issues in my relationship at the time. Um, and I figured out that I just had to use a lot less pressure. So I started using just two fingers and I still do it to this day. 
And uh, for anyone out there that's using like the full force of your hand that can pick up like three, four hundred kg, might want to hold back a little bit, you know, yeah. because ED um, is something that is expected for us after 40, 50, you know, when we're kind of creeping up there in age. But a lot of guys I speak to in their 20s now, you know, come to me after they've seen that video. They say, hey, like, I didn't want to talk about anyone, but I was having these issues and that video helped me out yeah. because like everyone masturbates. Right. But. You know, there is a way to do it wrong. <laughs> well, this is the thing. And for those listening, ED is erectile dif- dysfunction. Um, and it's important to talk about these things as men, men's health. Um, you talk about it being associated with the death grip. Do you think in any way it was associated with the PEDs or the steroids yes. at one point? And then that sort of carried on as a mental aspect throughout? Yeah, the PED just made the libido uncontrollably high, right? Um, depending which ones I would be taking, for example, trend can make you like a sexual predator. You know, yeah. all you think about is sex all the time, and um, you don't really want to have sex all the time. You just want to kind of get it over with. It kind of release that, um, release that uh, hold it has over you, so you yeah. masturbate, right? Because um, I was always a bit lazy. Like sex kind of can be exhausting, you know. So I was like, yeah, I just want to jerk off and like let out some steam, you know, at home in privacy. And um, yeah, it'll take it too far. So for sure, like the elevated libido from taking PEDs can steer you in the direction. And masturbating corn specifically is very addicting. I think many people have opened up about that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, but not only will porn itself desensitize you to seeing naked bodies, but using the death grip will just double that, double yeah, down on that. Yeah. yeah. And, and speaking on porn, it's something that sort of. I think can definitely ruin relationships and expectations and all these different things that's that comes along with porn obviously it's it's so accessible these days um especially for young adults young kids that shouldn't be even exposed exposed to that um right let alone anyone else but did you ever during that time get your estrogen levels checked or your prolactin or your progesterone during that that sort of time period I did. Yes, I did. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you what they are today because of that memory I have of mine. But yeah, they were not okay. Yeah. You know, so because I know with a lot of PED usage, yeah, your testosterone will be high, but the conversion of testosterone into estrogen can actually carry over and have an effect on, yep, your libido might be high, but the the function could be off. That's right. So I'm I'm assuming it's going to be a culmination of things, but um yeah no it's definitely something that i feel that should be people should be more open about men have been sort of pushed to one side when it comes to men's health men's mental health yeah these are taboo subjects that would be hard to make a video about would be hard to talk about because we're not meant to have those problems right so it's it's respect for doing that and if anyone has any questions issues get in touch with larry if they feel that that same way or it resonates with them or message us we're uh yeah, and ha- mate, help, hats off. To we you. need to talk. Yeah, like hats, hats, off, to doing it. hats yeah. off to you for like you know opening up about it. And I'm sure, as you said, people have came to you, approached you about it. Like it's a topic, and there's many topics around that that should be discussed. And maybe that's something that we can follow through with on Strongcast for sure and uh, yeah. talk a bit more about. So yeah, death grip. The death grip. It's new to me. 
Yeah, yeah, that probably took him by surprise. I, I mean, I, was, I, I was, genuinely I was, did. I've just spent five minutes like what? I was. I was holding it together where Sully was just slapped in the face because you've you've spoke to me about it before. That's right. Yeah. Slapped uh, in the face yeah. with Gil Duck there. <laughs> coming soon. I'm strong. Yeah, coming soon. Coming, coming soon. But what I want to know, we'll get away from that for now. Your move to Dubai. Sure. What Dubai is kind of like done for you, where you're at with it people you've met the further in of your sort of career and social media how, how do you find it you still love it you see anything else for yourself other than Dubai for sure so I initially moved to Dubai because at the time I was with Thor in Iceland and he had an opportunity for me to spend six weeks in Dubai all expenses paid for and I was like hmm Dubai is kind of like Narnia coming from North America you know a lot of us don't go this far out right we go like Hawaii or Mexico you know short four six hour flights um, so it was like a really, it was a, an adventure to come out here and, um, the all expense paid for was, you know, bonus. very, yeah, big bonus, <laughs> very, uh, enticing. So once I arrived, you know, after I had just, um, moving from LA actually, cause I went to LA from New York. I, that's where I intended on staying long-term. Right. But then Iceland was just supposed to be a eight week short term trip. You know, like I'm not gonna go back, um, I am going to go back to LA after Iceland, not permanently stay in Dubai. That was the plan. And then after coming to Dubai, like many who have come to Dubai and, um, it sucked you in. Yeah. Sucked, sucked me in, you know, like death the, gripped you. Exactly. Fashion rod. Yeah, come on, laddie. That's yeah. right. Uh, I was hooked. So I found that Dubai is very safe and clean and coming from New York and both LA, um, you know, that was something that I haven't really experienced before. Uh, you can leave your phone here and no one's going to steal it, that kind of a thing. Um, and also the cost of living was surprisingly affordable compared to what I was used to from New York City and L.A. Uh, so I saw a life for myself here. And I saw an opportunity um, for my YouTube to grow because this is sort of a hub for everyone on this side of the world. So athletes and influencers from all over eventually stop in Dubai for some reason or other. And that made opportunity for me to make good content, good collabs with all sorts of faces, keeping my channel alive and active. So I saw that. And also to uh, break away from the mold of the L.A. influencers. And because if I were to stay in L.A., maybe I would have worked out even better, maybe worse. But I do know that I would have been just another one in the pack because uh, all the fitness influencers that you know were known, that were you know had big followings and strong presence, uh, we're all in LA. So I thought, okay, let me try and be different. Let me make home base Dubai. Um, and you know, it's actually do what I intend on doing in LA, but here, and it worked out. And of course, but during the six weeks here, uh, Mark was training me for strongman. Um, that was the, that was the plan trained for strongman. I was preparing for, yeah, we brought you over for, to prepare for the log, uh, world championship. Oh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I went on to pressing 202 there and cleaning 212, which I was surprised I even got yeah. that up to my chest. That was cool. Um, so the prep went really well. I had great coaching, just a great experience overall, and uh, canceled my lease in LA. You know, just yeah, I, I remember yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You were like, yeah, I've canceled it. Uh oh. <laughs> left all my shit there. Had like a big 85 inch TV. Just you know, just all that shit was left there. So decided yeah. to stay here, uh, and I'm all the better for it. All the better for it. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. So where do we see Lottie going from now? Well, yeah. you know, the plan is to stay in Dubai. Um, but uh, I do need to open a local business because I do want to buy a home here. And for that to happen, you know, uh, I need to get a loan. I need to get a mortgage. But that means I need to have a successful business, like 15 plus employees. And while I have a successful business, um, I have several streams of income. They're all from the U.S. Mm. So unless I move back to the U.S., um, I won't be able to get a home here. So that is, you know, making me second, uh, making me rethink my long term plan staying in Dubai, you know, and on top of that. I don't have any tax benefit for staying in Dubai. So I still have to pay federal income tax for the U.S. I'm still responsible really? for that. Yeah, it sucks. Okay. So Why is that? Because your YouTube or anything is registered there? Or exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, um, but even if everything was registered here and I had no entity in the U.S., it would be the same case. As a U.S. Oh, really? citizen. A U.S. Yeah. citizen still that. Uncle Sam just has his hands in every pocket as yeah. far as I go. And no matter where I move. What percentage is that? Uh, well, depending what bracket you're in, it could be as high as 37 or 39%. Yeah. And then if you have a good account, get it down to like 25%. <laughs> good account. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's true, yeah. though. <clears throat> yeah. So long-term plans, in like all seriousness, it will depend on, um, you know, if I can really settle down here and get the support from the government I need, like for a mortgage. You know, can't just buy a house, $2 million house in cash, for example. I'm not making money like that, you know, so... That, but in the U.S., I can easily get a loan. You know, I have a, you know they'll look at my bank statements and they'll see my business, my LLC, and yep, yeah, sure, here you go, take yeah. the mortgage, no problem. But here, it'd be much more, much more difficult. Yeah, so, much more difficult. so Larry Wheels is looking to drop the anchor soon. That's right. Yes, I, I want to have kids. You know, yeah. I want them to be ideally here if I can figure that out, um, because this would be a great place to raise children as yeah. opposed to L.A. or New York. I think. I can let them run free in the streets, you know, and I wouldn't be worried if they were back in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, no, I know I've been encouraging <laughs> by the end of this year. Yeah, devil we'll, in my we'll, ear. We'll create, we'll create a, a, dad's, a strong dad's club, <laughs> uh, myself and Larry. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm ready. I'm, well, I'm brewing the bun is in the oven for me. That's right. You better get your bun in the oven. <laughs> Working on it. <laughs> Working on it. The oven's preset right now. It's warming up. <laughs> so, so going to, going on to topics. Um, obviously, things that have been hap- happening recently with King of the Table. Tell us all about King of the Table. Obviously, we're working together on it, but you're going to give a better backstory <clears throat> than I am. Sure. Um, well, King of the Table initially started here in Stronger. You know, that was when the first conversation emerged. And um, the idea was to bring on a new entity into the sport, new promotion, and bring on the biggest and the best arm wrestlers we could find, put them against each other, uh, have about three to four matches. I'll star in one of them, you know, help things kick off. Uh, I've lost all of my super matches, but it's been fun. And I participate in all of them because it's my event. And I just want to have fun. I want to be a part of it. Um, so moving forward, I'm taking a break from super matches to do tournaments. But without getting off topic, uh, King of the Table 3, most recently, um, was my match against Khalid. 
you know, and he's like an arm wrestling prodigy. Sadly, his passion's not in the sport. He's doing it up for the money, rightfully so, and for MMA. And he can do just so much damage there, I think, as in arm wrestling. Um, and he is formidable. He decided, if he decided to stick with arm wrestling full throttle, he'd be one of the best in no time. Um, but uh, for King of the Table 4, it is the biggest match in arm wrestling history coming up. We have Devin versus Levon. I couldn't be more excited about any other sport event. I don't follow sports in general. I only follow arm wrestling and strongman <laughs> and yeah. powerlifting. Yeah, those are the only sports I care about. So we've got Devin and Levan coming up. Tell us. I'm going to ask something in a bit regarding that, but go on. Tell us, what's your predictions? Uh, I think Devin. Yeah? I think Levan's going to huff and puff and gas up. Look, I love Levan. He's a big teddy bear. And, you know, I want them both to win. <laughs> but, He's a really big teddy, a teddy bear. bear. <laughs> yeah. He's a grizzly bear. Excuse yeah, me. that's yeah. bad. Yeah. yeah. You want them both to win, but you think Devin. I think Devin's going to. Yeah, he's just going to outlast. He's going to stop the match, mm. and Levon's going to be pumped. He's 180 kg right now. Massive. We had him on, and he, yeah. <laughs> he filled the screen. Yeah. yeah. He was only 160, only 165 <laughs> when he was here yeah, uh, making content. Wow. He's 180 now, and he's still creeping up. So he's taking this match very seriously. Uh, but the quicker you gain weight, especially like that, with the whatever he's taking, he's going to pump up much faster than if he was 165. And I think that's going to be all in Devin's favor because it is best of six, you know. Yeah. And I know from experience that going into a super match, you know, you pump up more and more each round. And I've seen it with Levon and Dave Chafee. Uh, Dave was a relatively easy win for Levon, but after each round, he was huffing and puffing. He was breathing kind of heavy, you know, and uh, that shows vulnerability there because you're not going to overpower Levon. No one's going to overpower Levon in any. He is fundamental, you know. He He is... He knows how to arm wrestle. He doesn't just use brute strength. You know, he, he, he uses strategy as well. Um, and uh, so Devin won't be able to overpower him anywhere. You know, he won't be able to, you know, top roll him or hook him or, you know, there won't be a move for Devin to do for him to overpower Levon. But he can outlast Levon. He can stop the match. He can wear him out. He can play his trickery at the beginning of the yeah. match, playing with the setup, fighting for the fair grip, and yeah, yeah. get Levon all pumped up. And as this is happening, you know, typically Devin stamina is ridiculous. Coming from his uh, special forces background, he would do things like a thousand push-ups for fun, or like who can run the longest for fun, right? So he has that kind of mentality. You know, he's yeah. a, really an endurance athlete, yeah. and uh, that's where he's going to shine. And that's really his only shot at beating Levon. Yeah, yeah. Like we we kind of seen it, didn't we? Talking to him, we were kind of asking for like the game plan. You can assume it's that, right? Hundred percent. And Levan is worked up, like he's angry. He wants to kill. <laughs> he wants to kill the guy. It's got to be yeah. his game plan to do all the little tricks yeah. to get to last it out as long as possible because that's just going to frustrate the hell out of Levan. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. And his adrenaline is going to be just sky high. Yeah. He knows the biggest match ever, and the pressure is all on Levan. Uh, I keep saying Levan. Levan. The yeah. pressure is all on him because. I think everyone expects him to win. And he's undefeated, actually. He's undefeated yeah. for, I don't know how many years now, like three years. He hasn't lost a single round, which is unheard of in arm wrestling. You know, John Brzezink dominated the sport for I don't know how many decades. But now it's Levon's turn. Well, I keep saying Levon. Now it's... <laughs> grizzly. Yeah, now it's the Grizzly's turn, you know. And um, I think he's going to feel some pressure. You know, he's definitely not going to take this lightly. And he isn't 180 kg. I, only person I've been around that that big is Thor, you know. He was yeah, and 
<laughs> yeah, so the I know. The van's a lot shorter. That's right. A so lot shorter. It's, uh, yeah, we're the same height. So <laughs> that's, it's freaky. It's freaky big. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting you say that he's got, I don't, I don't think he's got under uh, Levan's skin. You don't think? I don't think so. I think, I think this will be a mature, like, building process for Levan. I think if he keeps a cool head, this could be his, I think. I think it'd be his from just that raw size and yeah. power. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll find see. out. Look, going back, you said you only follow sort of arm wrestling, strongman, powerlifting. Everyone follows you on social media that's into sort of strength, feats and, and different things, powerlifting, strongman. Who do you follow? Who, who riles you up? If you see, like we talked about it earlier, someone lifts a bit more that you want to go and do. Like what, what sort of things are you following and seeing? Sure. Um, well, Jamal. Yeah. So Jamal is an amazing sumo deadlifter. So as of late, these sumo deadlifters have just be, have been becoming more and more impressive to me. While I don't think sumo counts, I do think that... <laughs> <laughs> While you're irrelevant. Okay, jokes aside, Jamal is seriously impressive. He's pulled over 1,000 pounds, 1,050, I think. Mm. Um, and, you know, we see what it takes for guys like Eddie and Thor to pull 500. So we even most recently saw a guy, 105, his name is... I'm not sure of his name. I think he's Polish. Mr. This is this is the yeah. problem as well. With deadlift. These, yeah, this is the problem with sumo deadlifting as well is the exposure that it gets. But anyway, he pulled five hundred and two kgs, hundred under one hundred five kg. That's mad. That is five times by the way. Madness. You know, don't even think he was using a deadlift suit. You know, to make it even more yeah. just ridiculous. But so, does it count, bro? It doesn't count. It doesn't count. So it's like it's bittersweet. You know, like you pull five hundred two, but it's sumo. Like ah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we should really know his name. We should know his name. <laughs> it's Mr. Yeah, Deadlift. Yeah. Mr. Deadlift. Do you want to get it up? Go on, get it up. Let's see this. This is. I know people oh, by their IG name, not their real. While names. we're waiting for that, who else? <laughs> okay, um, I still watch the OGs like uh, Ulysses and Simeon Panda, uh, Bradley Martin. But these are the guys that do you remember we... Scooby. Sorry, I just yeah, I do. I do remember Scooby. Yeah, it's a great motivator for me, Scooby. It reminds me a lot of um, Greg Duchette. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Mr. Deadlift. Is he coming up? Do you have any like YouTube or Instagram beefs? Uh, Is there people that really rile you up on there? I guess I'm too nice because no one's coming after me as of late. (laughs) As of late. (laughs) Yeah, this is it. Holy. Uh, Mr. Deadlift, yeah. Mad. Yeah, looks like a clean lockout. That does not look like 502. Uh, all I mean, those reds, wait, really? Wait, hold on. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's in the way he's lifted that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. That bar is bending. Like, there's more there. Yeah. He, he's not even a giant. He's just a normal dude. Yeah. I mean, not normal not doing normal. that, what he's achieving, but his frame. Oh, he, straps. Oh, no straps. No, just, oh, no just, figure eights. Yeah, no figure eights, yeah. Just regular straps, hook grip. Doesn't, no, no suit. There's no suit there, I don't think. That's mad. What's his conventional, I wonder? I would be interested. Should we bring him out? Shall we'll we? Mr. We shall, shall we bring him out and get him in strong gym? I think we should. You yeah. said you didn't think he locked that out. It looks all right. Ah, it's locked out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely looks locked out. Yeah. Wow, that's madness. Yeah, yeah. I think do you reckon you could do sumo? Uh, I've tried. 320 was my best. 
Because I haven't uh, ever given it the TLC it needs for me to be really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I will give it a try for like two weeks. And like, oh, this sucks on my hips. I'm just like, screw this. Right. doesn't even count. So I'll just go back to conventional. doesn't even count. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, to all you sumos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Relevant. Sorry, sumos. Yeah. Um, that moves on to one of the questions we, we ask normally um, to all the people we've had on. I know we spoke about uh, some things you've overcame, injuries, talking about the ED, a um, bit about men's health. What does the word strong mean to you physically, mentally? Some Have you used that at any point where you've had to be, you know what, I just need to be strong throughout this period? Tell us what that word means to you. Sure. I think we don't know, all know what it means physically. Uh, but mentally, it just means self-growth and self-awareness, I think. And uh, being the best version of yourself. And, you know, fighting that urge to always compare yourself to others, you know. Like when you're strong and you're content with who you are and what you've accomplished, you know, but always knowing that, you know, there's still more to strive for. I think that's really important. But I've been told that I'm quite self-aware and I never point the finger at anyone or anything um, if something doesn't go my way. So it's always like looking back, you know, at the choices I've made that have led me to where I'm at today. Like uh, you make the bed, you make your own bed, right? Yeah. Um, so in a nutshell, that's, you know, kind of where I see strong meaning mentally, mm. having a meaning mentally, uh, just like self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. You're good at self-reflection, actually, now that you say that. Yeah, you know, it's just <clears throat> holding myself accountable and uh, never pointing the finger. Yeah, it's a pet peeve of mine when I encounter people that always point the finger on someone else or something else. Like, yeah. well, it's that fault, it's their fault, yeah, you know? Yeah. It's so it's, but they never like look at the choices or mistakes they've made, so yeah. they never grow, you know? Yeah. No one else is to blame for the choices you make. Being That's right. Aware, self-reflection is growth. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Here we go. Last <laughs> question from me. What would Larry Wheels do to change the world if he could? Make everyone deadlift. Make everyone deadlift. <laughs> the world would be a happier place for it. Was everyone it should deadlift. John Paul Sigmundson said. What was it he said? Uh, something like that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's the best answer we've had. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone deadlifts. Why? Why? Well, nothing gets my adrenaline going or gets me quite as excited and happy as a deadlift PR. So if everyone can feel that at least once who hasn't already, the world would be a happier place for it. Mic drop. Everyone de yeah. <laughs> yeah. Deadlift. Inspired. World, world peace. Let us know. Let, yeah. let us End know. This. Deadlift. Yeah. World <laughs> hunger. <laughs> Deadlift. World <laughs> Deadlift. Comment below if you yeah. are one of those people who are going to be deadlift and change the world following the footsteps of Larry Wheels. Yeah. Thank you so much, Talking Larry, that, for coming we've on. Deadlifts coming up. Yeah, we've got deadlifts coming up now. Yeah, 320. The beast. Yeah, nine sets, three reps. Yeah. Get the suit on. Hell yeah. Change the world. <laughs> we are changing the world one rep at a time. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks so much, mate. Um, again, uh, for those of you watching, if there's anything that resonates uh, with any of the topics we've dis dis discussed today, um, please reach out to us. Make sure you check out. Larry does this every video with me, so I'm going to do it for you, Larry. Make sure you check out Team Personal Record for all your apparel, your training, everything to do with deadlifting. That's right. Um, and uh, obviously links are going to be down below. And yeah, we'll see you guys for the next one. Thank you very much. All right, thank you guys and see you soon.
with geoducks in her mouth. Chocolate green. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Sports Social Podcast Network.